Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the opposition looks for answers on how soon Canadians will see a vaccine and how it will be distributed. An initial supply of vaccine is expected to become available in early 2021. We know that supplies will be limited at the outset. Therefore, Canada's National Advisory Committee on Immunization, or NACI, has released its latest guidelines, providing further recommendations for the initial sequencing of key populations for early COVID-19 immunization. Some Canadians are told they will have to repay everything they received through CERB by the end of the year. If you receive money based on, uh, it was supposed to be based on your net income, not your gross income. And so some businesses and some, you know, a lot of private, uh, you know, self-employed Canadians are, are going to be forced to pay that money back. And concerns about the lasting impact of the government's pandemic spending. We want to go over it with a fine-tooth comb to make sure the bill does what the, what the government says. We're used to them introducing bills, then saying they do one thing and finding out that they do completely something else. It's Monday, December the 7th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by CPAC's Peter Van Dusen, host of Primetime Politics. Peter, thank you for being with us. Hi, Mark. So there are a lot of questions being asked right now, and I, I think they're on, a, on several different fronts, and we can look at these kind of one by one. First is, what's happening with the vaccine? How soon will we get it? How safe will it be? How will it be rolled out across the country? What are some of the logistics around that? Then there's the area of government programs. Lots of questions being asked about whether they are being distributed fairly, appropriately, how closely the distribution of them is being monitored. Uh, There are some people apparently who are being asked now to pay back the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. So there are going to be questions around that. And then there's the government's finances uh, and whether we can afford all of the debt that has been taken on this year and how soon we will begin to start to pay some of it back or how soon it could start to have some consequences for the government and for the Canadian economy. So, again, let's look at these one by one and start with the vaccines. Uh, We're learning more and more all the time, and I'm sure there will be a lot of questions this week about what comes next, because there is talk that uh, early in the new year we could see vaccines in Canada. Yeah, I mean, there's still uh, it's still going to be the dominant issue uh, around politics this week, certainly at the federal level and and, uh, in the provinces as well, with soaring case numbers again, Mark. Uh, this weekend, province is setting record numbers of cases. Uh, still lots of questions, you know, uh, to be answered, and it's the last uh, sitting of the House of Commons last week before they uh, take a, an extended uh, <clears throat> break over the uh, over the Christmas, you know, holidays, such as they are. The, and so the focus, you know, uh, the government is still going to face lots of questions about timing for the vaccine's arrival in Canada and exactly when it's going to get approved. Uh, at least the Pfizer vaccine, which will be the first one out of the gate, uh, approved by Health Canada, and then when it actually gets rolled out to the provinces, when it actually arrives here. I think we're getting some questions. I think last week was a pretty good week uh, for the government in terms of answers to questions. You know, we we got you know, we found a we heard from the military, uh, the general, the former NATO commander who's in charge of the rollout. We got some answers to some specific questions. He wants, you know, uh, freezers in in uh, provinces by December 14th. They want all the logistics organized. There's uh, 14 drop sites in provinces across the country where the vaccine will be delivered when it gets here. Uh, Pfizer is going to deliver the vaccine itself to the provinces. 
so there's no uh, delivery uh, issue for the uh, for the federal response, but there has to be a place for the vaccines to go. And then once they're in each of the provinces, it'll, uh, it'll be distributed to it's 205 sort of vaccine hubs uh, across Canada and the various provinces. So we got some of the, those questions, you know, the, the, some of those answers. The questions we still haven't had answered exactly when it's going to be approved by Health Canada and exactly when it's going to, uh, you know, arrive in Canada and exactly who's going to be getting the vaccine first. We've had some general conversations around, um, you know, uh, people in long-term care homes and, and frontline workers and then a sort of staggered, it, it, you know, administering of the vaccine to different age groups, starting with uh, the elderly first and working your way backwards. But, uh, you know, I think the next couple of weeks are going to be a lot about expectations. And I think having, you know, the government is telling people what the vaccine's coming. It's coming. There's light at the end of the tunnel. And then I think you're going to see it pivot to a tamping down expectations. You know, Six million doses in the first three months of the year. So that's three million people getting vaccinated. And we've heard the government talk about a timeline of into late summer, into the fall, before all Canadians will have a, a chance to be vaccinated with one or the other of the many vaccines Canada has ordered. So there's still lots of questions to be answered. All right, let's turn to questions about government programs that have been introduced this year to support people through this pandemic. And as I mentioned, some people apparently are being asked to pay back the CERB, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. I'm sure there will be questions from the opposition about that this week. Oh, yeah, there'll be lots of questions about that. I mean, the, the, the day will start today with, you know, the House debating a conservative motion uh, to actually, uh, you know, have better supports for business, uh, to put off some, you know, cut some of the, the, the red tape to get the, 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 you know, the money at the door to these businesses who need it badly, also calling for a uh, postponement in the uh, Canada Pension Plan contributions that would kick in in the new year and on uh, legislated increase uh, in, in carbon taxes and alcohol taxes to sort of ease the ease the pain for uh, businesses across the country. Uh, so the Conservatives will be uh, pushing for that as well. And this is all in the context of uh, also the Conservatives at the same time asking for a better accounting of how the government money is being spent. We know that uh, the government's spending somewhere around a billion dollars a day on the COVID pandemic relief effort. And it's not clear to a whole lot of people exactly how the money is being spent, uh, where it's going. And now you have, you know, some... Uh, highlighting confusion in the program with some Canadians being told they're, they're going to have to pay this money back that they received uh, when they thought they qualified for it. And apparently uh, you had to read the, the rules pretty closely. And, and, you know, things like if you receive money based on, uh, it was supposed to be based on your net income, not your gross income. And so some businesses and some, you know, a lot of private, uh, you know, self-employed Canadians are, are going to be forced to pay that money back. So uh, when you have the former parliamentary budget officer, Kevin Page, saying he's gone through the economic update to try and figure out exactly where the checks and balances are for the spending and exactly, you know, try to follow the money trail. That trail, he says he can't even do it. So if the parliamentary budget officer, former budget officer, can't follow the money, uh, it's pretty hard to expect the rest of Canadians to follow. Yeah, no question. All right, let's turn to uh, the money on a broader level, and that is uh, obviously the subject of a lot of scrutiny and debate, whether the costs associated with this pandemic are going to create a burden on Canadians and on government finances going forward. Christia Freeland, the finance minister and deputy prime minister, said recently that there is a fiscal anchor at the end of all of this once the pandemic is over. Uh, but there are people who are concerned about, even if 
I'm sure there are some who are second-guessing the expenditures, but even those who acknowledge that they were necessary are worried about the lasting impact of all of this. When will we get some kind of accounting or analysis of all of this? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I suspect it'll be months, maybe even months and months, and maybe even years, uh, because the government has said, "Look, we're, we 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 want to spend another seventy to a hundred billion dollars, sort of helping to give the economy a recover um, in the short term." And so, I'm not exactly sure what that money. We know some of the things they've talked about spending it on a national child care program, uh, climate, you know, climate change, and and those kinds of things. So. Until we see details of the program, it's hard to know exactly what programs they're going to spend it on. But I think, you know, it's an interesting conversation to have when you talk to people uh, in the known and in economics and so on. They say, look, fiscal anchors are set. You set out fiscal anchors so that you meet those anchors. Those anchors hold you back. Uh, you know, like a race, you know, like a racehorse. Uh, they're the things that tell you when it's time to spend and when it's not. What we have this time around is we're going to keep spending as much as we feel we need to spend. Then we're going to get to a point in that spending where we'll try to identify some sort of fiscal anchor after the fact. Uh, typically not the way it's done. Uh, but, you know, the, you know, the government's made it clear that its number one priority is to get money out the door. It's not so much worried about fiscal anchors. In fact, as you know, you know, Christian Freeland's been calling it a fiscal, we'll have sort of fiscal guardrails to keep us sort of, you know, from running off off the road and into the ditch yeah. um, for the time being. And then there'll come a point when we'll look at employment rates and, and what's happening in the labor force, and then we'll tie, tie some sort of anchor uh, to it. So for the moment, I don't. there's not this sort of massive outcry from Canadians because, you know, Canadians are living the pandemic. So um, how many of them are going to push back uh, against government support programs when many of them badly need it. So we get to this point and then, then there will, but there will come a point where there's questions and that point could come, Mark, if we see a jump in interest rates, because right now the government makes the case and uh, it's a good case to make right now that they can, the federal government can borrow money for next to nothing in terms of interest rates because of how low interest rates are, uh, whereas Canadians would, would pay much more and, uh, well, at least uh, in relative terms, more to borrow money if they had to. So the government's borrowing it for them. But if those rates were to take a, a sudden hike as a, as a recovery kicks in, um, then there will be some questions asked about the cost of servicing the debt because it'll start going through the roof. Yeah, and I and I guess the um, the thing to remember in all of this is these are unprecedented times. There There is uh, obviously a slowdown that's associated with a public health crisis, a pandemic, but it's not an economic situation that was created because of economic factors. And so we don't yeah, know. I think what, that's the point a lot of economists yeah. make it. But, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's, the, it's the argument between a, uh, you know, um, an emergency deficit and an increase in the debt versus a uh, long-term structural deficit. But there are, there are people saying if the government kicks in these massive national programs, they will contribute to a structural deficit. And it'll be hard to get out of that over time. Um, you know, unless they've increased taxes or there's a, a, such a dramatic rebound in the economy uh, that it offsets the cost of massive increases in government spending. So there are still lots of question marks about that as well. Yeah. All right. We will see what happens this week, Peter. Thank you so much for joining us today. All right, Mark. Take care. We'll talk again. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. I am uh, uh, reasonably confident that none of the opposition parties wants an election right now. We certainly don't want one. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. 
In the Toronto Star, Susan Delacourt argues just because Justin Trudeau doesn't want an election doesn't mean he isn't getting ready for one. Delacourt writes, Unwanted is not the same as unready, and the governing party appears to be making sure that it has its act together in case it has to go back on the campaign trail. The government has been busy in recent days, ticking off boxes next to promises left over from the last election campaign, and the Prime Minister has been doing some virtual politicking as the Liberal election machine gets some adjustments for pandemic times. At National News Watch, Bruce Campbell writes the fiscal update falls short in facing climate change and income equality. Campbell writes, The pandemic has exposed the corrosive underbelly of inequality, and the government has continued to acknowledge the severity of the climate crisis in the fiscal update. But the pace of government action to date does not align with the urgency of the twin climate and inequality crises. Nothing it has done so far is threatening to the corporate plutocracy and its hold on power. In the Hamilton Spectator, Puneet Tiwari asks if employers can compel employees to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Tiwari writes, Although employers have a duty to protect employees from workplace injuries and illness, the duty has reasonable limitations. There is currently no legislation under which an employer would have grounds to terminate an employee for not getting a COVID-19 vaccination. But businesses should be patient and stay up to date on government guidelines regarding this matter. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. Today will be another opposition day during which MPs in the House of Commons will debate a conservative motion on the government's economic aid for Canadian businesses. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, today's Opposition Day motion from the Conservatives calls on the government to produce a report by Wednesday, December 16th, giving details on several key economic aid programs. Now, first of all, if that date of December 16th sounds familiar, it should be because it's also the date by which the other Conservative Opposition Day motion calls on the government to give more details about its vaccine rollout program. Today's motion calls on the government to give more details for a program just announced in last week's economic update, which offers interest-free guaranteed loans to certain hard-hit industries, such as the tourism sector. But the Tories want to have more details about which industries will be eligible and what the timelines are. As it stands now, for example, the largest airlines are not included in that particular package. The Conservatives are also calling for the government to fix the so-called Large Employer Emergency Financing Facility, or LEAF. Now, most Canadians haven't even heard of that program, but it was announced in the late spring. It's a multi-billion dollar line of credit program for large corporations hurt by the downturn. But so far, you can count on one hand the number of large Canadian companies which have even applied for it. Oh, and lastly, Mark, the Conservative motion today also calls on the government to postpone several planned increases in the Canadian, uh, the Canada Pension Plan payroll deductions, the carbon tax, and also a scheduled increase in the alcohol escalator tax. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will start the day with private meetings before chairing the Cabinet meeting. And Infrastructure Minister Catherine McKenna will attend a virtual event along with the President of the Federation of Canadian Municipalities. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, December 7th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.